your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Monday of Lacrosse Talk PM. Pretty nice out today. Let's do the weather. No, I'm just kidding. It's on the sixes, right? Oh, wait. <laughs> Making a joke from uh, subbing on Mike Hayes' show last Friday and having to do more weather than I've ever had to do in my life. Uh, Kim Cable from the from Cooley Cap is going to join me in uh, just a couple of minutes, like eight, nine minutes, something like that. She, uh, I'm going to pick her brain on a couple of things, a homeless situation in lacrosse. I think they're, they're pretty well on top of that stuff, just knowing what's going on. And, and then also the eviction moratorium ending. Thanks Joe Biden uh, over the weekend or, or late last week, um, kind of sending, a lot of people into a scramble, I guess, is, is the wording that I read. Sending Congress into a scramble. Seemed kind of funny, though. The Everyone knew the eviction moratorium was going to end. And then I think Congress expected the Biden White House to do something about it. But it never came. And then he kind of just announced, yeah, we're going to let it end. And everyone's like, what? But... I mean, shouldn't we be planning? I, I feel like we should be planning these things at least a couple of weeks out, a week out, a couple of days out, instead of just being like, what? I can't believe you're allowing it to end. Um, but it's going to impact lacrosse, and that's another reason why I'm going to have Kim Cable on. She's going to talk about that a little bit. She's the Housing and Community Services Director. Uh, before we get to that, there is, if you saw on uh, wisdomnews.com, uh, Brad covered the Board of Public Works meeting, and they addressed the the Verizon cell phone tower that's going to go up. And we've we've had some fun joking about the Verizon tower, but also just like, really, you're going to put a cell phone tower right in the middle of the park? Uh, so the the Board of Public Works can't really do, or the city can't really do anything about Verizon putting a cell phone tower, right? I think it's just going to go behind the Eagle, maybe a block or two, or a block into the park a little bit. Uh, we, we, we always joke that it should just... First of all, the Eagle, I don't... Last I looked, the Eagle wasn't there. I don't think it is. I, I talked to Jared Flick with the Parks and Rec months ago, and he didn't really have a timeline when the, the big Eagle would return. So um, that's something... I should ask him about. I'm, I'm planning to have Jared on here pretty soon. Maybe even this week we could ask him about that too. But the the idea that Verizon should just put a little cell phone tower in the into the nest of the eagle, the big eagle that, that uh, you see when you enter Riverside Park here in downtown La Crosse, uh, just put a little cell phone tower. Because they're going to they're gonna make the cell phone tower, which is 30 feet tall, I believe, look like a light pole which is fine, but why not make it look like a big eagle's nest and put like sponsored by Ver- the, the Riverside Park Eagles sponsored by Verizon Wireless, put it right on the nest. Uh, the eagle could sell out. Uh, we need to, we need to take advantage of the sponsorship money that lacrosse just isn't, you know, we could, we could be renaming the lacrosse center, the Verizon center, right? There's <laughs> something like that. We just name everything in, in downtown lacrosse Verizon. Uh, that 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 Verizon could put its name on. Hey, you want to put a cell phone tower down here? Um, all right. Well, then you know, start giving us money. We'll put your name on everything, but start giving us money uh, to help pay for some of this stuff. 
that we're trying to do. Fix the roads, Verizon. <laughs> 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Um, I hit something in the road yesterday that was super fun, so my car now makes a funny noise. Uh, Got to love that. Uh, so sending the car off to get get looked at it just it, it put my it put something in perspective to for me um, I, might, I might talk about this with Kim in, in terms of the uh, the eviction moratorium and people you know being in tough situations and I wouldn't say I'm in a very tough situation but if my car bill comes back significant then I will be in somewhat of a situation but a lot of people who are living paycheck to paycheck they almost have to live this perfect life right they have to, to, nothing can go wrong because they're, they're just scraping by, you know, able to pay the rent, able to put food on the table, uh, able to pay the bills and whatever's left over, you know, hopefully is, is able to, you know, have some sort of a life, right? That's, that's kind of the ideal situation is to be able to have money left over to enjoy life. Uh, not, not the case for everybody, but what happens when these people in this situation, hit something in the road and then their, you know, radiator is ruined, which is might be the case for my car. Uh, and then the bill comes back with, you know, what thousand, 2000 bucks. Uh, then just think about how, how big of an impact that is for somebody that let's just, if they're, if they're just able to get by with even like, I'm, and this is super low, but $500 a month on rent. And now they have a $2,000 car bill. Well, what happens? You know, that's four months rent. Everything gets pushed back. Um, so not that that has a, a whole lot to do with the eviction moratorium ending per se, but that has a whole lot to do with a lot of people that are in the situation where they are now in, they might be evicted, right? They might be in the situation where they're going to be evicted. These, these are the people that have to live perfectly. And if they don't, then, you know, the, everything gets pushed back and, and then they go into debt or, or eviction status, right? Or something else. They don't, they just, what, drive without car insurance or they got to make ends meet in a different way. And then, you know, oh, and then they get pulled over. Well, now you're getting a no car insurance ticket. Well, who's that going to hurt? Uh, somebody else that gets a no car insurance ticket that's making a hundred grand a year. Well, A, they would not have car insurance because they don't have to worry about that. But also, like, that's no no big deal for them. Like, whatever, I'll just pay the ticket. Uh, anyone else that gets a ticket that's, you know, just making ends meet $200 ticket, all of a sudden $200, there's half, half your rent or, you know, a third of your rent. There's a, a week's worth of groceries, something like that. Uh, we're going to call here. Gary's calling and in. No. Gary, Gary, is this Gary? Your radio's on. Hello. <laughs> $200. All right, so I well, won't mess with that. Um, all right, I'm going to bring Kim Cable in. We're going to talk about the homeless situation, the eviction moratorium, how that's going to affect lacrosse, uh, and we'll see what else we can talk about. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line. If you want to text me questions for Kim Cable, We'll see if I can answer those, or not me, but I'll let Kim answer them if they're relevant. Uh, Kim is the Housing and Community Service Director at Cooley Cab. She's also on the Lacrosse County Board. Um, hi, Kim. <laughs> hi there. Hey, thanks for coming on. Um, for, before we dive into anything, can you just 
Can you just give me a breakdown of Cooley Cap, what you guys do, and and uh, and everything? Sure. Um, Cooley Cap is a community action agency. We're one of sixteen in the state of Wisconsin. Um, every county, with the exception of two, has a community action pre- presence. Um, we are in our fifty fifth year of providing services to low-income households in our four-county service region. Um, Our mission is to fight and end poverty. So all of the programs and services we offer at Cooley Cap um, are directed towards low-income individuals or households um, in an effort to support folks uh, to increase their self-sufficiency and move up out of poverty. So um, you can find out more about us on our website. It's www.cooleycap.org. All right. And I wanted to, uh, you know, obviously I want to talk about the evictions moratorium and also the, the homeless situation in La Crosse. But with the with the moratorium ending, can you just talk about, I, I guess maybe, you know, why, why do we have an eviction moratorium to start with? Um, so the moratorium started with the CDC's um, initiative in 2020 in response to um, the COVID outbreak. So um, lots of people, as you know, um, were either laid off or lost their jobs entirely, um, maybe couldn't go to work because there were child uh, care issues. And so we found many families uh, across the nation in our service area unable to pay for their housing costs. So I think the moratorium was put into place to protect households, um, keep them in a stable environment so that they weren't facing even more um, anxiety with the possibility of, you know, not making their housing payments and becoming homeless. Do you think, you know, the way the the way everything is kind of open back up, so to speak, even though I, I feel like we're going off, you know, get diving back into this pandemic a little bit. Um, do you do you think that we're, it was it was okay to let the moratorium end because people are kind of getting back to normal? Schools are back in session, so you know there's not that added needed need to have somebody home uh, for childcare stuff like that. Well, I don't. I in answer, this is kind of a two part question. We don't know that things are back to normal. I would say, um, without hesitancy, that things are not back to normal. Um, I guess I was confident that they were heading in that direction, but now there seems to be an increase in cases happening across the nation. Um, but I don't think we can make the assumption that everybody is back to work as normal. Um, we know that there's still lots of families who either lost their job and couldn't find anything or still searching. Maybe their hours were decreased, so they're looking for other income that's more full-time or better paying. Um, So I would say that we're still facing uh, financial instability with many of the families that we see through our agency. Yeah, and obviously the moratorium, people kind of think of this in the grand scale, the national, you know, the the Biden administration ended the the moratorium. Uh, Congress was, appeared to be upset of that because of that. And it just seems like something that's happening over there or out there, but it's really affecting. Can you talk about how it's affecting lacrosse uh, residents, lacrosse county, the area? Yeah. So, um, you know, one thing we started doing when COVID 
first emerged, I'll say, about mid-year of last year is operating um, rental assistance program across the state. Um, we're still in the midst of that. Um, we are receiving hundreds of applications a week from people who are in danger of eviction. Um, to date, since February, we've served 952 households with over $3.8 million worth of assistance just in our four-county area. So if that's any indication of need, um, I think you could just read the handwriting on the wall. But there is a um, eviction prevention data program that's being <laughs> operated by the state right now. Um, and right now there are, um, in the month of, say, June of this year, there were uh, 1,398 um, evictions filed across the state with 91 judgments. Now, for two weeks in July, there's over 600 evictions being filed statewide. Um, and so when we compare data um, from, say, June of last year to June of this year, um, eviction filings were almost triple of what they are were in June of this year. So um, the moratorium has staved off evictions, um, primarily for non-payment of rent. So um, that's what the, the moratorium did. I think now that the moratorium is lifted as of July 31st, um, I think we're going to see a spike in cases of evictions being filed through the court system because landlords are able to do so. So there's, there's landlords in our communities that haven't been getting paid for rent and, um, you know, people who are not going to be able to resolve that situation. Yeah, and we always talk about the people that are getting evicted. Obviously, there's the people that own these, uh, you know, rental properties. How how is this uh, affecting landlords? Because I don't know if this is, you know, some people, maybe some landlords live strictly on rental income. Yeah, I, I think you know, it's 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 just a terrible situation all the way around. I think you know, landlords are in that group of people whose income has been affected by COVID. Obviously, so you know, uh, I don't know. To what extent that impacts landlords, I would get. I would guess heavily. Although we are getting quite a bit of rental assistance out the doors, so landlords benefit from that as much as the tenants do. Um, you know, smaller landlords might be more heavily impacted by the moratorium than larger landlords. I, I just don't have any data on that, but yes. So you know, COVID has affected tenants. It's affected landlords. Um, you know, and they're all in the same business, right? So, yeah. Do, do you have a, a sense of whether there's, um, you know, like you said, there, there's probably going to be a big spike here uh, with more evictions. But you know, are, are places like Cooley Cap and other places is that where these people that are you know about to be evicted or or in that process is that where they need do they need to come to you guys for help or what what do you suggest? Yeah, they sure should come to us for help. Um, we're um, we're an agency locally that's providing a lot of assistance. Um, probably the primary agency locally that's doing uh, eviction prevention, where um, some of the other agencies might be doing, you know, homeless shelter and and housing payments. But um, we do have some robust 
uh, programs, not only the COVID-related, but we have um, some other programs that can help people who are behind on their rent who haven't been impacted by COVID. Um, and so we do have a couple of uh, resources to draw from in order to help people stay in their units. So, yes, we would recommend that they come to our website and start that application process as soon as they know that they're going to be in trouble because I think oftentimes people wait until the last minute because they're, um, they have anxiety about what they're going to do. They don't know how they're going to resolve their, their problem. And uh, so waiting longer only makes the problem worse. So um, if people know that they're going to be um, in trouble with their housing payment, reaching out as soon as they know that is the best possible thing to do. And people that do reach out and, and seek your help, I mean, there's there's more to it than like here's your rent check. Can you can you talk about what steps that you guys do to help them to help these people kind of get I, I guess back on their feet or back, uh, and, you know, into the the ability to you know pay rent, pay the bills, all that jazz. Oh sure. So um, with all of our programs, there is a financial literacy component and. Every grant fund has different eligibility requirements, so that's why I say we have a couple of res- a few resources to draw on. But you know, we're talking about to people about what their budgets are, what they need to sustain, you know, all the costs of maintaining their household, <coughs> and then we explore ways with the household about how those financial needs can be met. So I know many of our case managers actually help people get connected with employment resources and things like that. So um, we hope to offer kind of a holistic approach when looking at a household. Um, And the benefit of reaching out to us is some of that stuff takes time. So, you know, job searches and so forth. And sometimes we can offer assistance for for more than a month so we can help, help that household maintain their housing payments so they can pay attention to other things in their life that needs attention because um, one thing COVID did, I think, is create many, many directions that were stressful for families, whether it's child care, you know, their uh, grocery budget, their household budget, all of those things um, added to stressors for for the households that were helping. So um, we try hard to do what we can so that they can pay attention to so what they need to in order to get back on course. The people that come through, and we're talking to Kim Cable. She's the Housing and Community Service Director at Cooley Cap. Kim, the people that come through Cooley Cap, what, what is their biggest issue? Is it that they don't have a job, that they don't make enough money? Do they? Ha- is it I, I have huge hospital bills or, or some other sort of debt that I just can't dig my way out of, you know, where they're just kind of living to paying the minimums? I, I don't know. What, what would be the biggest problems for, for those coming through Cooley Cap? Well, because our agency serves low-income families, we're in households, you know, low-income is the biggest issue. And and when some uh, families might be living paycheck to paycheck, it doesn't take much to upset the apple cart. So one unanticipated bill, like a car repair or something, can put a household budget into danger. So, um, you know, but other than... The major impact, I think, lately has been COVID. Every 
every case has its own individual um, things going on. And so we, we try to meet people where they're at, understand their situation, and go from there. All right. So you say I know I understand that everyone's every case is unique, but and it makes sense. Okay, it's low income, but and then is a lot of that low income just they literally don't have a job, or it's just that their job doesn't make ends meet? Do you see one case? You know, do you see more cases where people are unemployed now, or more cases where people are, I want to say, not under uh, underpaid? I think we're seeing a mixture. So livable wages obviously contributes to this. So. Um, many families are working two to three jobs just to stay afloat. I don't think we're working with people who don't want to work. I just think that, you know, uh, things like many families are in retail or service industry jobs that don't pay enough money to sustain the household. Um, you know, there's still people who are dealing with backups in our unemployment situation, so they may or may not have gotten an unemployment payment. Um, there were long lines for that on the onset of COVID. We saw lots of that. Um, but I think people also, if they have jobs to get called back to, didn't call back, get called back to possibly a full-time job, and they're still in need of other income to supplement themselves. Um, I do think that families were hit hard by a lack of child care. So um, child care, as we know, is very expensive. And so... Um, some families relied upon older adults or relatives and their family to do child care. And with the onset of COVID, that particular population has um, some, you know, extra care that needs to be taken in so that they're not lim- So they're limiting their exposure. So the idea of kids going to grandma's house for child care maybe wasn't such a great idea. So right. it, it, there's just such a myriad of situations that can occur um and sometimes families are dealing with more than one all right that's kim cable she's the well i gotta wrote that housing and community service director at cooley cap she's gonna stick with us and talk about um the homeless situation in lacrosse it's kind of along the same lines uh but obviously there's you know if anyone notices there's a lot of tents in Huska park so we're gonna talk about that a little bit when we come back we'll be back All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914. If you want to send a text, we're talking to Kim Cable from Cooley Cap here in Lacrosse. She's the Housing and Community Service Director. Uh, we were talking about kind of the, the end of the eviction moratorium and how that's going to, uh, it looks like it's going to uh, affect quite a few. We, we just don't quite know, Kim, exactly what how it's going to affect Lacrosse, except the fact that it is going to affect more people than it has in uh, than evictions have in the past year, right? Like it's, it's we, we might see the numbers go way up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Very good possibility of that. Uh, and and when we're when we're talking about stuff like this, we you know you also talked about how uh, the eviction moratorium affected land uh, landlords. But on the flip side, too, or on the in the same regard, what's what's the local rental market like here in Lacrosse? Is it is it pretty? decent or is it hard to i don't and like what's a what's a good affordable rent like 500 bucks a month i don't even it's, it's been a while since my winona days when i was renting an apartment which was about 500 bucks a month for a two-bedroom apartment which seems awesome uh but i i don't think that's uh is that realistic now in in the area no no not really we we operate on fair market rents, so i believe the 
fair market rent. I don't have this right in front of me, um, but it's it's more like six twenty five for a single bedroom. Um, I'm just gonna try and figure that out. But it's it's uh, depends on the household size and what their space needs are. Um, the rent market for lower cost units is pretty tight um, in our area, especially in the rural areas where the housing stock is limited for rentals. Um, you know, we have some, you know, openings locally in the higher cost ranges for rentals that are out of reach for the families that we work with. So um, it is difficult to find a place that's safe and affordable. And especially if people end up getting evicted, then finding a subsequent unit to rent is even more difficult with an eviction on your record. So it can really hurt families uh, deeply who are trying to stay, you know, in a unit. So, um, yeah, so one-bedroom fair market rent in La Crosse is 673 Now, that's not to say that we don't find some that are less in cost, but um, that's that's like the HUD fair market rate standards. All right, six seventy three a month for a one bedroom, and but we, we see we see the city of Lacrosse trying to combat this a little bit, right? We're we're seeing that they've approved a couple of different plans to to build affordable uh, rental units. How, what do you what do you think of those plans? I think those are great plans. Um, those mixed um, income developments are really great. There's usually quite a few units for very low income, which is thirty percent of the county median income. And any kind of project that adds low-income or low-cost housing that's great, safe, and affordable to this community is an added plus. So uh, we should do this all the time with our developments, I think. Uh, In my head, I I think, like, uh, you know, getting affordable rental units is great and building these these complexes that, that, uh, you know, you can house a whole bunch of people but it would it be a, and I don't even know if this is feasible. But would it, it would be better off, right, if we could build some kind of affordable renting, rent, not affordable units that people could buy instead of rent, where they instead of paying the rent, they're actually paying a mortgage. And whether it be like I don't know, like duplexes or condos or something like that, that are, that are just permanent for these people to live in. Yeah, I think you know that we have to keep in mind that our low income population is not any different in their wants or needs than the general population. So not everybody wants to be a homeowner, um, but some people do. Not everybody wants to live in a condo, but some people do. So I think the solution to our housing uh, problems here locally is probably a combination of housing developments, which I I think we do do, you know, Habitat for Humanity, build low-income homes, et cetera. But I think the solution the problem there's many spokes on the wheel for this so it has to um, be designed in a way that it meets people's needs and helps people stay stable and move forward yeah it's, it's kind of a difficult way to 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 go about it if you if you built affordable housing for people in low income you would have to just make it available because otherwise other people are going to swoop in and, and buy that housing and then probably turn it into a rental unit Oh, yeah. Well, it has to be, you know, they, people have to qualify for low-income units that's based on income. Yeah. So that means, you know, somebody who's going to go in for a lower-priced unit has to provide that back backup documentation that they 
meet those eligibility requirements. It can't just be occupied by by anyone. Yeah, I just I, I hear about rental units all the time, and I never hear about uh, well, not never, but it's just a lot less. It seems like where people can get affordable permanent housing that you know where they're paying a mortgage and stuff. Also harder to get a, a mortgage payment. Pretty easy to to pay a rent payment, but you got to qualify for a mortgage. Correct. Yeah. Even if the payments. We do have a first time home buyers program at Cooley Cap. So um, if people are interested in becoming homeowners, we do offer classes and assistance in in getting financing and um, purchasing a home. So we do have that avenue available here locally. Um, and it is a really great program. So um, we do have that option. It's probably um, not as big of a program right now, obviously, as our, our rental assistance program, but um, we're just responding to COVID with the rental assistance. So, when, And when you do a program like that, is it harder now? Because the, the housing market has just kind of skyrocketed lately. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's a bad time to be a home buyer, good time to sell your home, I guess, right. what I hear. Um, all right, so I wanted to get to what what's happening in in uh, with the homeless situation in the city. Can you can you kind of just give us an overview? Is it is it getting worse or is it just more seen because we can see tents out there and we think it's getting worse? Well, uh, last week our um, our outreach our street count team went out and counted people, and there's between ninety and a hundred people living on our streets right now. They're not all at Huska. There are other encampments around the area. Um, that is higher than we saw last year at this time. So um, the situation is not good. Um, we we feel like our outreach teams are connecting with people. Right now there's about 70 people in Huska. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a crisis. Yeah, in my head, too, it's like... I mean, was it the plan to, to just let people camp out at Huska Park? And I don't know what, what are we going to do in a couple of months when winter comes? Because um, I don't, I don't know if I guess you could live in a tent in the winter, but it would be awful miserable. Yeah, not a solution for this part of the country. Not a solution for any part of the country. Sleeping in a tent is not a solution for homelessness. Um, that being said, I think the intention was that people would have a place to go, um, you know, where they wouldn't be really asked to leave. Um, but I don't think it's ever meant to be long-term, and it sh- sure shouldn't be long-term. We have a group of uh, local agencies and leadership that are meeting regularly to discuss some options, um, and we're hoping to come up with something soon. Um, about, you know, providing more shelter space and beyond that, um, more opportunities for housing. So, uh, you know, housing is a basic need. Everybody should have a right to it regardless of their station in life or where they are right now. Um, and so I firmly believe that we need to start looking at ways to offer housing to folks, get them out of our streets, get them out of our shelters, and get them into safe and stable housing. Is that the kind of the one, the the number one deterrent? Not to to get people. Obviously, giving people housing is going to make them not homeless. But that is that kind of the the number one thing to help people kind of get back into the swing of things, so to speak. 
Yeah, and and housing alone doesn't work. So give, putting giving somebody the keys to an apartment and then just leaving is, is not a good solution. Housing that comes with case management and other types of support is a good solution and can help people move down that path to self-sufficiency. Um, but usually housing is the first step to any kind of change. So um, when we talk about people needing jobs, well, living in a tent without a place to shower, no laundry is not a good way to access employment. Um, you know, so there's lots of things that are put on hold in people's lives, everything from employment to health care, et cetera, gets put on hold because access to any of those things doesn't happen. Um, and so we need to make sure that people get into housing, they have the right kind of support, and that we can start to address those other things, such as employment, such as health care. Um, and that moves people along that path of self-sufficiency. We're speaking with Kim Cable. She's the Housing and Community Services Director at Cooley Cap. Kim, when you when you say you have outreach teams and they're talking, and you said there's between 90 and 100 people on the streets right now in La Crosse, um, 70 of them in Huska, so 70% or so of the, the homeless are kind of out there. Um, and when you out, when you when these outreach teams uh, reach out to, to to these people, what what are some of the biggest issues that are that are keeping them you know in this situation? So I think it's a combination of things. We you know a lack of affordable housing is the number one contributor contributor to homelessness. But beyond that, we do see certain types of uh, experiences that le- lead to homelessness more often. Uh, domestic violence puts people out of their homes. Um, things like untreated mental health disorders or untreated substance use disorders contributes to that cycle of homelessness. A lack of resources and shelter space stops people from getting connected to the services that they need. Um, you know, there's just really a list of things that can keep somebody homeless. Most people that I've talked to in all my years of working at Cooley Cap, there's only one person that turned down an opportunity for an apartment. So if I hear things all the time that people want to live that way, no, they don't. They just don't know how to get out of their situation and they need some help and support in order to do so. So um, that's what we need to do in this community. Do you have a when you, when you reach out and try to start the 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 talks and, and getting these people back on their feet? Is there what what kind of apprehension do they have to, to doing that? I mean, I've talked to some homeless people and they're just kind of like eh, I don't you know they're they're almost stubborn to um, you know change with their situation. I think that comes from you know a lack of supportive relationships. You know, the first step is trying to form a relationship with somebody so that we can find out enough about their situation to truly help them. Um, I think people have been burned before. Being homeless or having the experience of homelessness is traumatic. So uh, there's people who get their stuff stolen. There's people who are assaulted. There's all kinds of things, and it can be scary. You don't know what's going to happen to you when you're living on the street. You don't know when your next meal is going to come in. All of those things contribute to trauma. So, um, you know, we have to have true relationships with people, 
reach out and connect with them and start to get them connected to the things that they need. Um, you know, I think, you know, quite possibly people have had bad experiences or things have fell through or people say things to them that don't happen. And so I think not talking to people or being def- is, is like a defense mechanism, you know. Um, they don't have to put themselves out there and possibly be judged or, um, and, you know, I'm not saying our outreach workers are judging people, but others do. Um, and so it's, it's not an easy life. And I think our outreach workers try to form that relationship with folks so that they can get them, um, get them signed up for homeless services, get them in the system, and then start to, uh, reach out for other things like housing and and getting people connected to landlords and things like that. So, you know, there's a there has to be some trust that's formed. These things don't happen overnight. All right. That's Kim Cable. She's the Housing and Community Service Director at Cooley Cap. Uh, if anyone needs, you know, any if they know or are a person that that needs help, just just contact Cooley Cap, right, Kim? You can even if it's not the correct situation, you probably be able to point them in the right direction. We do an awful lot of that every single day. We do uh, intake and referral, give, give people uh, um, other d- ideas of resources, even connect them with them if we can. So, um, yeah, we can't solve this problem by ourselves. It takes everyone in the community, and so there's many agencies like ours that are helping with this as well. Um, we're just one of one of a team. So... Um, we hope through our efforts that we're able to sort of ramp up some of the things that we're doing in order to get people indoors. All right, Kim, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. All right, uh, I got to take one more quick break. We'll be back. All right, that's going to do it for Lacrosse Talk PM. Thanks a lot to Kim Cable for joining us for the most of the hour. I've had so many things to pick her brain on. Um, and I think we got. Quite a bit. What I didn't get to her, and it's kind of unfair to her, is success stories. I had it in my notes. I wanted to talk about some of the success stories that they would have at Cooley Cap because it does happen. There are success stories, but we just, I never got to it, and I apologize for that. But we did. There are, it does happen. But, all right, we'll do it again tomorrow.